And the reading of the scriptures from Isaiah, chapter 66, and verses 7 to 14. So let us give attention to the reading of God's uh, uh, holy word here in Isaiah. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall a land be born in a day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? Shall I who cause to bring forth shut the womb, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and you shall be carried upon her hip and bounce upon her knees. As one, from, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass. And the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. We uh, are always reminded, uh, at least I am, perhaps uh, you are not, but uh, not, nonetheless uh, reminded that uh, governments are uh, in, in perpetual uh, decline. Uh, many of them are dealing with uh, a population uh, uh, that, that cannot sustain their lives as a nation. I think, for example, of uh, Russia. Uh, as you know, sustainment is 2.1 children. Uh, they are way below that. Countries like Japan, uh, a vastly uh, aging uh, country, uh, cannot sustain their own population. Imagine uh, what that means uh, 50, 100 years from now if the population cannot sustain itself. Uh, countries in need of immigration because, again, population decline. What's even worse, uh, many, many, if not most governments have policies that are ill-suited to care for the well-being of uh, their people. Uh, now, I know you didn't come this morning to hear a lecture on government, uh, but uh, this is true of, I think, every government, save one, the government of heaven. It uh, has no worry whatsoever over sustaining and adding to its population. And of course, the treasury of heaven is well suited to take care of its people, as we shall see from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, the text this morning, verses 7 to 9, Mother Jerusalem will have many sons. The government of heaven, the capital of uh, our spiritual lives, and one day the capital of the entire world will have many sons. Uh, and this, in verses 10 to 14, will be the occasion of joy and comfort because one thing is radically certain of our mother in heaven. She will care for all of her sons and one day gather them all 
into everlasting glory and world without end. Uh, the controlling metaphors of uh, this text uh, are uh, quite clear and a reminder uh, that we are speaking of our mother. Uh, the, uh, the word for a woman in labor is found three times in this text. Uh, the word for giving birth is found five times. And then the word for nursing is found two times. Uh, so we are, uh, I think, quite clearly dealing uh, with a mother uh, caring for her young uh, children. Uh, contextually, uh, God is answering the lament of the prophet in the promise of a new creation, and the immediate fulfillment is the restoration from Babylon captured in the language of birth. And of course, I think more distantly, uh, the greater birth, the new birth, uh, the, uh, uh, the heavenly mother birthing sons and then caring for all of them, that, that not one will be lost, not one will go hungry, uh, not one will want for clothing or shelter for protection or sustainment of, uh, of all of the things necessary for spiritual life. So let's begin, verse 8, a mother has sons. Uh, she is defined, it's, uh, I think, of radical importance that we uh, uh, look to Isaiah to define who the mother is. Uh, and in verse 8, uh, we can see that she is defined as Zion, or Jerusalem. And there is a miraculous element to this birth uh, in that initially uh, she is absent uh, labor, the pains of labor, and of course the birth is, uh, is, is instant, occurs very rapidly. Uh, we, I think, should uh, understand that uh, the, the fall of Babylon was the occasion for the rebirth of the nation. Uh, just like the defeat of Pharaoh uh, is captured in the language of a rebirth of the nation or the birth of the nation, so again, God is doing what he's already done before. He's going to rebirth the nation in the fall of uh, their captor, Babylon. And it, of course, uh, historically occurred very rapidly. The armies of Cyrus sweep in immediately uh, and uh, bring a Babylon to ruin. Uh, and from the travail of captivity, in the language of the prophet, sons are born. Uh, and more, more importantly, uh, God is, uh, is the catalyst. Uh, he brings uh, the sons to life. Uh, in other words, the miraculous birth is a divine event in the sovereignty of God. A reminder to the nation, uh, perhaps reading these words saying, we're in, we're in captivity. You've got to be kidding me. You're talking about being reborn, about having sons. Uh, I, I suspect most families in captivity in Zion would say, let's, let's don't have any children. It's terrible here. Uh, it's not worth it. Uh, and so they lose their hope. And Isaiah reminds them that God will rebirth the nation and give rise to many sons. If you look at the ninth verse, shall I bring to the point of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord, or shall I who gives delivery, shut the womb, uh, says your God. Uh, in other words, God will finish what he starts. How can it be otherwise? I'm, I'm reminded that that cannot be said of me. I suspect it cannot be said of you either. We start many things in life. Some of them will remain unfinished. 
It's not that we don't want to finish them. It's just that we don't have enough time or enough wherewithal, but everything that God starts, he finishes because of who he is. And nothing will be left undone and nothing will be unfinished and there will be no error in all that he does in the creation. We, we have something, I think, of, of, uh, of uh, pictures of this uh, throughout in the Old and New Testaments. If you have your, uh, your Bible, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 20, uh, there's a problem of birth in a nation uh, because uh, something radically happens to the women. Genesis chapter 20, uh, beginning in uh, verse 17. And Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. Uh, they couldn't bear children because God intervened and stopped uh, that event, and then God re-intervenes, and they bear children. For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Then, chapter 21, then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. We know from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans that Sarah was long since past the ability to bear a son. Does that stop God? No, because God is not bounded by human abilities. If God wishes an old woman by the name of Sarah to bear a son, she is going to bear a son and nothing can stop it. Nothing can prevent it. Nothing can get its way because, because of what? Because of who God is. God is in the business of bearing sons and populating his heavenly kingdom. Another reminder of this, it's a little bit different venue uh, but it's a good reminder that God can open uh, when he wills to open and close when he wills to close. Uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 8 uh, and uh, verse 35. Solomon uh, is celebrating a great work of God, uh, but he's also reminded uh, that people are foolish and they do things to bring upon them ruin. And so we read 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, in verse 35, uh, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee and they pray towards this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them. Again, uh, we fall into grave and grievous error uh, in the old covenant. Uh, one of the ways that God would manifest his displeasure with the nation uh, was by shutting the heavens so that rain would not come. Uh, the heavens were open because of their sin. He closes them, and there is no rain to remind them that they have broken their word against the God of heaven, and that God is in control of all nature and the blessings that come from nature. Uh, it is again in a sense that when God wills to close, he closes, and it remains closed, and when he wills to open, he opens, and it remains open. Uh, something of that language it captured for us in the Apostle John, third chapter of the final book of the Bible, uh, Revelation uh, chapter 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, he was holy, 
who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. Again, we're a great reminder of the sovereignty of God. Who births when he wills his people in his own time? And nothing at all. And all of creation can prevent his actions. The more distant uh, fulfillment, uh, I, I think in my mind, from the words of the prophet Isaiah, is of course uh, in uh, fulfillment in, in the church. Uh, you think of the illustrations. Matthew chapter 1, uh, Mary, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, bears a son. God wills to act upon a woman. She has an unnatural birth. No, that's not good enough. She has a miraculous birth, conceived by the Holy Spirit. She bears a son. Uh, for a season, Joseph didn't want that son, but he learned from the angels that it was an act of God. He became pleased and satisfied when God wishes to open. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, Elizabeth uh, cannot bear a son. Uh, she is a woman in lament, like a nation in captivity. And the God acts. And she bears uh, son John the Baptist uh, to herald the coming of uh, the greater one. How is it the woman whose womb is closed uh, can, in an advanced age, bear a son because God can act at his will and perform what he wishes at every time? Uh, beyond, of course, physical birth, uh, there is the greater, much greater event than the new birth. Uh, manifestly, of course, a divine event. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, who were born. Who were born, the sons of God who were born. Uh, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but born of God. That the spiritual sons of God experience the greater birth, the much more miraculous birth. Now, all over the world today, hospital rooms are in bedrooms or wherever, homes, or maybe in uh, the hills and vales, women are giving birth. Seemingly a natural event. Uh, but the new birth, an act of God, divine causality, acting upon the soul, opening the soul to receive Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Very clearly in the first chapter, in the prologue of the Gospel of John, we learn immediately how sons of the new birth come into this world, birthed by the power of God. The soul closed, sealed shut, welded shut so that no one could open. Cannot stop God. He commands there to be light, and the soul is open, and light is received. And by the way, in that birth, no one can shut it because of the power of God. Uh, reinforced, I think, that theology, uh, an event that I know all of you are very familiar with, uh, the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, uh, John chapter 3, uh, except a man be born again, uh, he cannot, he will not see the kingdom of God. 
that no one uh, comes into this world uh, deserving to see the kingdom of God. Just because a son or a daughter is born into a Christian home does not mean that they will see the kingdom of God. That something much more radical uh, is uh, needed and mandated, and that is that they be sons or daughters of the new birth. Uh, John chapter 3, uh, verses 7 and 8. It's a miraculous event that God can rebirth a nation from captivity and God can open a, a dead soul uh, in hatred and enmity against God and bring life. Uh, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's like the wind on a day like today. Uh, we don't wish it to be so strong, but God wishes it to be that way. Uh, we don't wish it to come from the north or the south or the east or the west, but God wishes to blow wherever he wishes to blow, and nothing can prevent him. Uh, I don't know what the weatherman said of, uh, of the weather today. Maybe he forecasted. I don't have a clue. But I know that there are many days when he forecasts that there will be no wind, and when God wishes there to be wind, there is a wind. And if he wishes it to be mighty, there is a mighty wind because God controls the weather. Weathermen may forecast it, but of course God is the ultimate and only cause. And to hear uh, the wind blows and gathers sons and daughters into the kingdom of God so that they can see the glory and majesty of the only true governor of Mother Jerusalem. It's my speculation uh, that our Lord's rebuke of Nicodemus for not understanding this may very well be from the fact that he was a teacher in Jerusalem, had studied many, many times Isaiah chapter 66, but he knew not that in the new birth God would bear many sons. You know, by the way, uh, by, by application of our Lord's rebuke of Nicodemus, uh, never, never underestimate people's ignorance of the Bible or theology. Even, even when they are very learned men as Nicodemus was. And just because your nieces and nephews come from a Christian home, never ever underestimate what they do not know or presume that they may be sons of the new birth because that is the divine event caused only by God and learn more and more to share the gospel even to people who profess to know Jesus Christ because who knows but God and who causes but God in his power to open hearts. That God births, uh, recreates the nation by his power, and God births sons by the new birth and the power of the Spirit. And that making of sons is a divine event. It's a miracle. Certainly, uh, the birth of John the Baptist by Elizabeth birth of Jesus by Mary. Those were miraculous events. But even, even more so is uh, 
is a heart open to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's a divine event. God acting. If you're not a Christian, uh, may God in his grace cause you to call upon him, to act upon your soul, to open it, uh, because only he can. Uh, Acts chapter 2, and verse 47, uh, that represents something, I think, of the fulfillment of the prophecies of, of Gentiles coming to faith in uh, large, massive numbers through the ministry of true Israel, Jesus Christ. And the Lord, Luke says, writes, the Lord was adding to the church. We don't use that term, do we? Think, well, man, pe people, people came to faith in uh, whatever Bible church or Methodist church or Baptist church or Episcopal church. You know, the Lord adds to the church when he acts. And uh, even though uh, the rulers and leaders of Israel did not want that to happen, they could not stop the power of God and great revival, the Lord adding to the church. Now, one of my favorite verses respecting this theology, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. Uh, I planted, Paul, Paul says, and Apollos watered. You know what follows? No, no, you do. God is causing the growth. I mean, of course, uh, uh, Paul and Apollos were a means used by God. Uh, more often than not, notwithstanding miraculous event, God uses means. Because that's the way God works. He uses means. But behind the work of Paul and Apollos, uh, God caused the growth. It's uh, always reminded that takes the onus uh, off of the pulpit. Uh, that God would act, grant growth in the life of the church. Uh, in a corporate sense, uh, more particular to Isaiah chapter 66, the Apostle John alludes uh, to Isaiah 66 in the 12th chapter of the book of the Revelation. Uh, and, and the reason that I think the allusion is pronounced is because uh, in Isaiah chapter 66, a woman bears a son. And then a woman bears sons from singular to plural. In Revelation chapter 12, we have a woman bearing a son singular and then the birth of sons. So that the one becomes many. The one becomes a massive flood that cannot be prevented. Uh, what's instructive, of course, uh, in uh, the book of the Revelation is that Satan and all of his fury cannot prevent the birth of many sons. Now, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 2. Uh, and she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Uh, chapter, uh, verse 5, and she gave birth to a son. Notice the singular, because that's exactly the case in Isaiah chapter 66. A woman bears a son. And this woman gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Uh, just to put the cap on it, verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went out to make war with the rest of her offspring, her sons. Notice how they're defined. Who keep the commandments of God and hold and hold to the testimony of Jesus. 
from a son to many sons. Uh, verse 13, he, he perse- the dragon persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Uh, and then, of course, uh, her sons. So the woman in Revelation chapter 12 is a, uh, in my mind, uh, rejected, of course, by the Roman Catholic Church, is a corporate figure of the Messianic community. And uh, the community gives rise to a son and then, of course, many sons. And the dragon persecutes uh, her offspring who are defined as the faithful, uh, just uh, just like what occurs in Isaiah chapter 66. So that throughout, Throughout, God births, provisions, and nourishes his church. And the dragon is unable to prevent any of this. And all of the sons of Mother Jerusalem, all of them, all of them will come to glory. None will be lost. All over this world on this very day, children are lost caught in violent conflict and wars, neglected by parents. That does not happen with Mother Jerusalem. Every one of her sons are nourished spiritually and they will come to physical, everlasting, absolute, total glory. It's also a conceptual parallel that I think is very pronounced. Again, theology is not uh, very popular today in a city like Oklahoma City. Uh, uh, Galatians uh, chapter 4 and verse 26. How can I say that Jerusalem is our mother? I say it because of the words of the Apostle Paul. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. Marrying this with the theology of Isaiah chapter 66, Revelation chapter 12, our mother will birth many sons to everlasting glory. And if you are a Christian, she birthed you. And if you're not a Christian, cry to God that he and his power would cause the Jerusalem above to give you new life. So we are her sons. Specifically, we are the sons of promise by faith in Jesus Christ by the singular, absolute power of the Holy Spirit who blows like the wind and the sails of our faith give rise to the movement of our souls uh, beginning from whatever port we are in to the distant shores of the eternal city. Uh, Verses 10 to 14, uh, we we break from the reality of childbirth uh, to the occasion of joy, joy and comfort. It's a good reminder that we should never, ever as Christians lose sight of the joy of our faith uh, because because of our mother and because God is the ultimate cause. Uh, Verse 10 uh, begins with two imperatives. Uh, Be joyful uh, with Jerusalem and rejoice for her, all of you who love her. Uh, Picks up again, be exceedingly glad with her Uh, all you who mourn over her, uh, that night is going to turn to day. A barren woman is going to conceive again, and God will open her womb, and she will have many sons. Uh, That God has established our mother 
Uh, the imagery here is uh, one that comes from the nursery, uh, uh, comes again from a uh, post-delivery event in uh, many hospitals or homes, uh, uh, but whatever the case might be, uh, infants must, must be nursed. And uh, our mother will nurse uh, her sons. The imagery of a suckling is used to reinforce uh, the divine provision. Uh, you and I, each of us, know something about that. Even, even if you're a father, uh, you know that there must be a mother uh, to grant nourishment to the newborn, that the infant is totally dependent upon its mother. I think uh, of, of, all, of all infants who come into the world, there's nothing like the infant child is radically dependent. I think in all of nature, it's no more so uh, than with the human race. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, newborn elephants don't need a mother, but much more radical than the human race. And here the mother willingly and joyfully provides, verse 11, that you may nurse and be satisfied with her a comforting breast, that you may suck, be delighted with her bountiful bosom. It's, to me, a very noisy verse, isn't it? Uh, picture here is a hungry infant finding satisfaction. And it, God providing every moment. The, uh, the words here, a comforting breast, a reminder of uh, one of the dominant themes of the biblical theology of uh, the book of Isaiah, particularly uh, second book. Uh, I believe that Isaiah is still the author. But he begins, I say it's up to 40, verse 1, with what words do you know? Two imperatives. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my children. Comfort, take comfort. And now we know one way we can find comfort because we have a comforting mother who gives us her breasts that we might feed and be satisfied. Reminded to us that as Christians we can take comfort. All over the world, people are full of despair, anguish. How can they survive? How can they live? Uh, warfare grips much of our world. Uh, angry mobs, angry people, angry gangs. I'm not saying that Christians are not killed in such, uh, but God will gather their souls and none will be lost, and God will nourish their souls until they come to everlasting glory. And that We should take comfort in that. Uh, that all of us have sons and daughters. Uh, we wonder about them. Uh, God will care for them if they know the Lord Jesus Christ. They will never go hungry. Uh, reminder of the grace of God. Uh, again, I, I mentioned earlier uh, that this, uh, the breasts of our mother uh, speak to the entirety of her sufficiency. Again, it gets very noisy. We make merry over her bountiful bosom. Uh, the Hebrew text is, is, is literally, uh, uh, in verse 11, bountiful uh, bosom uh, is, is literally 
a glorious uh, bosom in the sense of being full as in the supply will never run out. We should therefore be rapturous over our Heavenly Mother for from her comes an inexhaustible supply of nourishment to see us uh, in our journey to heaven in the last great exodus event. I mean, think of the provisions of heaven, divine word and spirit, written revelation and, and illumination by the provision of the spirit, angels to give watch over our souls. One of my favorites, that God dispatches his angels uh, to protect his church. And of course, promises galore. And that you and I should learn to be satisfied with heaven. I mean, occasionally, uh, you and I run across Christians who, uh, you know, all full of gloom and go home and pull the shades and they think that God has forgotten them, left the receiver off the hook. But we should learn otherwise to be satisfied with the provision of heaven uh, given that we are well provided for and that none of the sons of God will be lost. The sons of America... Many sons of America are lost. Not just America, France, the United Kingdom, lose their sons. Reminded of the First World War, the United Kingdom lost virtually an entire generation of young men. Heaven loses none. In the words of the prophet Isaiah. And the reason, the reason follows in verse 12 that God, God gives peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. Again, this anticipating, I think, much more than the return from the sons from Babylon uh, to the nation of Israel uh, in, under Ezra and Nehemiah. There is a sense of inauguration in Acts uh, and certainly in the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, Revelation chapter 21, uh, that uh, the world will not be happy with our mother, but our mother will come and uh, rescue all of the sons of glory and wreak havoc and ruin on all of the sons that are not born into glory. Uh, more critically, the two similes capture the sense of constancy and effusive abundance of peace and glory. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 48 uh, in the 18th verse. The prophet uses different language, but the truths are the same. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18. If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being, your peace, would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. It's what happens to the sons of glory. The waves of the sea, the glories of the sea will break upon them and never run out. I know some of you have vacationed on the beach. How many waves are there that come and break upon the seashore? You ever counted them? No, you haven't. <laughs> because you, you know they cannot be counted. You would fall asleep before you could count them all. 
And all throughout the night season, while you were dreaming about Oklahoma, the waves would continue to come, the grace and majesty of God breaking upon the sons of glory. Because that's our mother. With her glorious breast like a river, feeding her son. Again, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Knowing Jesus Christ, uh, we have peace with God through through him. Uh, Metaphor of a mighty river. Peace of Jesus Christ. The metaphor of ways reminds us of uh, the permanence and the grand abundance that our mother will lavish upon us. Uh, You will never go to the stores of heaven and have the clerk tell you that he'll put your order on back order, that the shelves are empty. I'm reminded all over the socialist world, particularly in my own patrimony, Venezuela, uh, the, the shelves are empty because socialism doesn't work. Uh, but the shelves of heaven never run out. Grace of God. The inventory of divine blessings is everlasting. There are no back orders from heaven. I'm not unmindful that in this life they are spiritual. It's not saying that they are not physical. On occasion, that God does bless our health, uh, but because of the fall, our health will eventually fail. But he will not fail us. He will gather us physically in his own time. But the spiritual blessings never run out. Uh, We know this, for example, from the the theology of uh, the Apostle Paul uh, in his letter to the church at Ephesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now you tell me, is there want there? Is there lack there? Is there something missing? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. When you become a son of God, you are in Christ and the windows of heaven are peeled black and every spiritual blessing rains upon you effusely and never runs out because you are in Christ and for no other reason. There is no other reason than in Christ, the grace of God, the glorious breasts of our divine mother. But in eternity, of course, they will become physical and visible. Should be implanted upon our souls that oftentimes heaven says to us, not yet, not yet. But one day it will yet be and God will claim us. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 for me to live is Christ. In other words, to render service to Christ, to advance the church. But to die is what? You know the words of the Apostle Paul, but to die is what? We think of death. We go to funeral services, time without end. Uh, we see handkerchiefs, uh, tissue paper come out as people, uh, people uh, shed a tear. Uh, people are saddened, uh, go away saddened. Uh, in many cases, the sadness will never end. The Apostle Paul says, to die is gain. For the Christian, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of all of the sons of glory. 
Uh, I understand we miss people, but to die as a Christian is gain. Uh, verse 23, uh, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, he says, to die and to be with Christ is, is, uh, is far better. It's interesting here in the Greek text, he stacks an adjective, an adverb, and a comparative to remind for us how good it will be. Literally much more better. We don't talk that way. But the Apostle Paul reminds us of the blessings to go and to be with Christ. And for Paul, it was as much a person as it was a place. That we will be like the infant that the mother lavishes affections upon in a never-ending supply. Uh, the third uh, simile from Isaiah chapter 66, uh, verse 13, uh, uh, is, as, as his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You should be comforted in Jerusalem. Again, the theology from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, is breaking out here in the fullness of the effusiveness of the divine uh, provision that God comforts his people with the reminder of an inexhaustible supply. In the single verse, we have three uses of the word comfort explosive of the beginning of the second part of the prophet, uh, verse 1, Isaiah 40. It's a reminder that uh, with heaven, and if you're a Christian, you are a son of heaven. Your mother is Jerusalem. Uh, that you should have no regrets. Uh, don't know much about the language of heaven but I suspect if there's a dictionary there, it does not contain the word regret. You know, if you're not a Christian, I, mean, I, I, I understand. You want perhaps nothing to do with it. Uh, perhaps you want to continue on in your rebellion, your life of uh, self-sufficiency, presumed. You just wait. You just wait. There's no such thing as self-sufficiency. But the words of the scripture should minister to you that you will deeply regret in this life and you will deeply, profoundly, unremittingly regret throughout all of eternity. Not so for the sons of God. And may God open your heart to desire to know the person, the mayor of heaven, and the mother of Jerusalem. That God will heal, restore, supplant, fix, and rectify every aspect and residual of the curse because of who he is, his sovereign power. Uh, and this too has begun. Uh, his gospel, uh, the apostle John, uh, writes in uh, John chapter 16, uh, in verse 22, uh, of the joy of the sons of the new birth. Therefore, you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice. Your heart will rejoice, and no one takes your joy away from you. Sons of the new birth, our mother is our joy, and that joy will never run out. It begins as a stream in this life, but it will become uh, the mightiest river 
the mightiest ocean. Just like you could never drink the volume of the Pacific Ocean, you could never drink and finish the majesty, the glory of the abundance of heaven. Much mightier than the waters of the great Pacific. Never run out. The waves will never end. But this begins the new creation, the resurrection, the new birth. Even more so, it embraces the eternal estate because the prophet says in verse 14, we will see it and our hearts will be glad. As the apostles were sad over the loss of their Savior in the resurrection, they saw him and their hearts were glad. city of Ephesus, uh, there was a temple built for the glory of the goddess Diana. Uh, the idol of the goddess Diana is, uh, of course, a female uh, figure with uh, multiple breasts, rows upon rows. Uh, but her breasts are empty. And there's not enough of them. Trust me, I counted them. I went to the picture. I wanted to see the idol. Remember years ago studying Paul's epistle to the city of Ephesus? Uh, I wanted to see what he was contrasting with the temple of God and the temple of the goddess Isaiah. She doesn't have enough to sustain her children. It's a lie. It's a lie to be sure. Uh, her adherents would flock to her and come up empty every time. Uh, because there's not enough and the supply is exhausted. Uh, but I remind you that God in his grace has given to us a heavenly mother uh, with great glory. And that glory has begun. It will never run out. And we will never regret taking drink from our mother. The government of heaven is growing with many sons. None will be lost. I'm always amazed by people in this world that place their hope in government and all of its programs. It's almost as if the politicians promise as many things to buy us off and get our votes, and they cannot create an exhaustible supply provision. But God can, and God does. And if you're not a Christian, plead the name of Jesus Christ, and God will in his power, if it pleases him, that he can grow and provide for his own sons. He has and he will. And may God be gracious to all of us to understand that our hearts ought to be, should be, must be, full of joy because of our mother and because of our Heavenly Father.